Hello, everybody, and welcome back. Finally, first and goal, the hardest hitting up and coming ACC and SEC football podcast on the internet today. It is Monday, May 29th in the year 2023. Happy Memorial, everybody. If you're a veteran, thank you all for all you do. And the ones that we are remembering today, thank you for sacrificing all. Just want to get that out of the way. We got a lot of stuff to get into today. As always, I got my co-host, the one, the only, Big Rob. Welcome back, brother. Welcome back. Boy, it feels good to be back in the studio. Feels good to finally be talking football with y'all again. And I'm excited for this Memorial Day. You know, like Ben said, thank everyone who listens to us and who don't listen to us, who's served and, you know, gave the ultimate sacrifice and you know, those out there, not only in military, but law enforcement, firefighters, EMTs, you know, everybody who's served. And, you know, we just we want to thank you all. That's exactly right, man. Um, it's because of all the sacrifices you all make day in, day out that we're able to do things like this. We're able to discuss football. We're able to have these great sports in this wonderful country of ours and have our freedom and it's like they say, man, freedom ain't free. So thank you so much to each and every one of y'all. Exactly right, man. Exactly right. Thank y'all so very much. Yes, sir. Well, uh, first things first, guys, we've been away for a while. It's been about six months since we've been in the studio to do a podcast. We closed out season last year. We didn't even discuss the bowl games because, I mean, honestly, most of them went the way we really thought they would. The playoffs, in my opinion, was Pretty much a joke. Wasn't no reason to discuss none of that. And it was just, it, it wasn't a whole lot to discuss, honestly. It kind of burned us out. We've been trying to get in here since spring ball back in March and April. But work schedules and everything else hadn't lined up. But also, we, um, we, we needed to take a little bit of a hiatus. I know you had some things going on in your life, man. And you went through a lot and needed a little time off. Yes, sir. That's absolutely right, man. You know, some things happen that take the wind out of your sails, but, you know, we're all good to go now, and I'm ready to talk some football. That's what I'm talking about, brother. That's what I'm talking about. Well, guys, first things first, what we got today for you, we got our early summer power rankings for the SEC East and West. This is where we kind of feel coming out of spring ball, recruiting season's on, this is where we think everybody stands in our personal opinion. If we had to guess how the season would go right now, it's, it's early. It's way too early. But it gives us a little bit of a progression to see where things go from spring through summer, then fall practice. We'll be able to make the proper adjustments as we go. <clears throat> yes, sir. I mean, way too early predictions and, you know, just going off of gut feelings, really, and, you know, just looking at what has been added, what has been subtracted from each team. You know, it's, you know, these lists are perfect, and I'm sure that, you know, right now we're probably way off from what it really will be, but let's have some fun with it. That's exactly right, man. We might as well have some fun. I mean, hell, who knows? When we got started a couple of years ago, we threw some we threw some guesses out there in spring ball, man, and then we was pretty spot on with just about all of them. Yes, sir. This past season, we <laughs> we missed a couple of them by a mile. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Especially in ACC, but uh, we can't leave that one down. No, no, we cannot. We'll, we'll discuss that a little more <laughs> in our next episode when we get into ACC power rankings. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, you want to start this thing off, man? Let's start it off. Let's start it off. You want to start it in the east or the west? Let's go east first. All right. In the east, I mean. You have to go with what has been really the the cellar dweller in the East. Yeah, we're going to rank these from uh, worst to best. I didn't didn't think to tell you guys that. That's my bad, yeah. But from worst to best, we're going to start it out with the cellar dweller. And, you know, of course, that's going to be Vanderbilt. For me, Vanderbilt, they had a really good season last year, man. Looked like they were on the verge of turning around. Uh, They don't have quite the firepower yet. They did get some decent transactions in the portal this year, but we're just going to have to wait and see if it's enough. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Looking at my list, I also have Vanderbilt being the number seven ranked team in the power rankings right now. And guys, that's just going off of history more than anything. The last several years, Vandy 
has been the cellar dweller. They haven't made a whole lot of progress. Now, last year, last year they did make a big jump. I think they got five wins on the season, which was huge for Vandy. Yes, sir. I mean, they beat Florida. They got some SEC wins in there. I mean, really a positive thing turning around down there. But at the moment, you're still way behind in recruiting and transfers and everything else compared to a lot of these other schools. So, I also have to have Vandy rank in the bottom. I mean, this could change. This exactly. could change over the summer and into the fall. You never know. Absolutely, man. I mean, the portal, you, you can still get players out of the portal right now. So, it it's just all going to depend on, you know, that and, you know, really how, how everything falls. That's exactly right, bro. Well, what you got next for our number six ranked team in the East? Number six. I'm going Missouri. At number six this year. And the main reason for that, man, is there's just so many questions. And for me, Eli Drinkwitz, he is just, it is hard for me to really tell exactly where his head is at from game to game. They're one of those teams that can really jump up and bite somebody, but also win. You know, they you, you think that they're going to be able to, to really run the table, man. They lose you know, two, three in a row, and it just it goes downhill from there. So I just don't know what to think from Eli. Like I said, quarterback questions, questions really everywhere. They've had a lot of transfers out. They've got some good transfers in, don't get me wrong, but I got to go with Mizzou number six. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can see where you get that. I can really see that. But me personally, <clears throat> at number six, I got to ride with the Florida Gators at number six, man. It's just last year, I felt like Billy Napier had a very underwhelming first year in Florida. I feel like he's already got a hot seat underneath him, to be honest with you. Then Anthony Richardson leaves, goes to the NFL. And what's crazy is he ends up going in the first round. Yeah, that was crazy. And it makes you wonder, it's like, okay, did the pros drop the ball on this? Because he has talent, no doubt, but I did not see him as number one pick. So did the pros drop the ball here? Or do they see so much potential in him that really there's no excuse for him to have not done better than what he did last year at Florida? And I think it could be a little bit of both, man. I mean, it could just be going off of what he did the year before because – under a different coaching staff, man, he really lit it up. You know, he, when he went off on the run, man, you you just saw people flying off of him when they were trying to tackle, just like, you know, bouncing against a wall of rubber or something. It, it was crazy. But this past year, it just it just didn't really pan out for him. No, I really didn't. It was, just, it was very underwhelming. So I got to disagree with you at number six. I'm going to have to ride with Florida. I just – not a whole lot of faith because you have that happen. And then your backup quarterback, Kitna, we've seen what happened with him, which is no excuse whatsoever. I have no sympathy whatsoever. Damn shame. Right. But, I mean, at the moment, Florida, you look at Florida and like, well, who the hell's quarterback? You ain't wrong there. And for that exact reason, <laughs> I have them ranked at number five for that exact reason because you just, you know, you just don't know who the quarterback's going to be. You really have questions about that coaching staff. I mean, there has been some changes made. But, you know, at the same time, the reason I have them ranked at number five also is because they did have a strong recruiting class this year. And they're also getting some good transfers in. They've had some kids transfer out, of course. But I just think that they're going to – do a little bit better this year than what Missouri will. I can see that. I can see that. I just, me personally, my number five, since you want to hear like, where number five, mine's Missouri. So we're flip flop there. <laughs> yeah. And I see what you're saying before, but the reason I got Missouri ranked ahead of them is Eli, I'm not going to rank him up high because he's just not been able to get over that slump. I don't think he is going to get this team over that slump. But at the same time with Eli, it seems like it is granted year in, year out. You're at least going to get six or seven wins, at least every year. <clears throat> so I got them being better for him because I'll be honest with you, this season here, 
I don't I don't know if Florida's got seven wins though. I can see Missouri with seven, but Florida, I don't know if I see seven. Yeah, I can see that. I have a hard time seeing six. You're not wrong. Do they have the talent? Yes, but I just I don't know. Napier or Florida is just it's not ironing out the way I would have liked to have seen it. Right. No, you're you're 100 right, man. I mean, it's just going to depend, and you know, on what these recruits do, how these transfers do. Um, but I just I do like Florida a little bit more than I do Missouri right now. Okay. Okay. Well, what you got at number four? Number four, I think you're probably going to disagree on me with this one as well. Um, but I've actually got them Kentucky Wildcats ranked at number four. What? Them Kentucky Wildcats ranked at number four. Ah, oh, man. And, and my friends back in Kentucky, I apologize, but there's just too many questions with this team right now, man. All of the letdowns from last season. I mean, you had Will Levis, a quarterback last year, who could not keep him healthy. Your line just totally just gave up the ghost most of the time, man. There is just too many questions. I think they are a better-than-average team, but I just don't think they're going to have what it takes this year. Yeah, I'm disagreeing with you. 120% disagreeing with you. All right. And I am a South Carolina Gamecock fan, as most of you remember. So, I'm probably going to catch a lot of heat from my friends out there from Gamecock Nation. But I got South Carolina ranking number four. Biggest reason for that is Spencer Rattler, to this point, has yet to put together a consistent season. If he can play an entire season the way he played those last couple weeks of the season last year, then, hell, I could see him. I could see South Carolina being number three in the SEC. Hell, number two in the SEC East. You never know. The sky's the limit. But to this point, he has not been able to do that. He's not been able to prove that to me. And then South Carolina also, the running back room. You got Mario Anderson out of Newberry, D2 school. He is a three-star. He is a proven back in that, but there's a big difference in playing for Newberry and playing in the SEC. You're not wrong. So, in the running back room, there's just not a whole lot of depth. You got Antoine Wells coming back, Juice Wells, the receiver. That's a good, beautiful thing. But at the same time, in the receiver room, besides him, who do you have that is proven to be a consistent go-to guy? But that's the thing with South Carolina, man. I mean, every single season, it seems like for the last three, four years, you've had questions in the quarterback room, and somebody just comes out, stands out. In the quarterback room or receiver room? Receiver room, excuse me. Did I say quarterback? I meant receiver room. Somebody somebody just takes a step up and becomes that number one, number two threat that you need a receiver. And, you know, this year I'm not going to say that it happens, but I could see there's there's been some transfers come in. I mean, Xavier Leggett, I mean, you see what he did in the, uh, in the uh, bowl game last year. And, I mean, I, I think that he could really step up and do something this year. I do not – I mean, there is questions with Spencer Rattler, for sure, 100%. But – you know, with that being said, I think a lot of what happened last year was with the old offensive coordinator and not really understanding where he was trying to go with it. And with Dow Loggins coming in, taking over, I really think that that's going to help Spencer out. I think he's going to, you know, adjust to that. And that for that reason, I have him ranked at number three. Okay, okay, I can see that. Well, my number three, once again, we're flip-flop. I got Kentucky at three. The whole reason I got Kentucky being better than South Carolina. <clears throat> you got Devin Leary coming in there. He's been very consistent in NC State. This time they're proven to be one of the better quarterbacks in that division, that conference. Been proven to be one of the better quarterbacks in the nation. He got banged up last year, missed a lot of time, got transferred out of there. But then Kentucky also, three years ago, they had a bad season in 2020. 
They brought in offensive coordinator Liam Cohen, and he took a unproven bench warmer from Penn State, Will Levis, and made him go on that run in 2021, become that breakout quarterback, and look so elite. And after Cohen left, I mean, Levis to me looked pretty average this past season. He did not stick out like he did before, did not look near as great as he did before. That's because he was on his back most of the time. Yeah, but you can also come up with schemes to buy your quarterback's time. It's not always all on the offensive line. True. There's a lot more that goes into quarterbacks getting sacked than just offensive line. But Kentucky also made a lot of moves in the portal with the offensive line. Mm -hmm. They always recruit well Mm -hmm. at line. They also got a good running back in through the portal. Just what they needed. Not to mention the running back coming from North Carolina State. That's what I said. They got a good running back in from the in the portal, mm-hmm. transfer portal. That's what I'm talking about. That is played with them. Exactly. So you already got some chemistry there between teammates. That's going to work out really well. But Liam Cohen being back in that offense, Kentucky's going to feel a tough defense no matter what, year in, year out. Not wrong. I just I see that offense being very high scoring. I see a Kentucky being a tough team. I mean, realistically, I got them ranked number three, but – they can very easily make a run at number two. Who knows? Even number one. So, that's what my personal thoughts are on that. Okay. I like it. What you got at two? Number two, I'm going with Tennessee. Good old Rocky Top. Rocky Top had a hell of a season last year. Coming into South Carolina, man, they were feeling it. South Carolina just coming off of that that. You know, huge loss to Florida, which should have never happened. That still pisses me off, but we'll not talk about that right now. And then they come in and lay the goose egg, and your starting quarterback goes down for the rest of the season. So Joe Milton takes over that game, finishes it out. He's coming in this season with some experience under his belt starting. They had a good... Recruiting class, they had some good transfers come in, and I think I think they're good enough to at least be, if not the best, the second best in the East. Yeah, I agree with you. I got the same thing I'm doing. I got Tennessee, like you said, man. I mean, Josh Heupel, brilliant offensive mind. You know Tennessee's going to hang points. You know they're going to find ways to put points on the board. Well, what really stands out to me, man, is, I mean, in that bowl game, that thrashing that they put on Clemson with Joe Milton, that quarterback, I mean, that was that was rough. Oh, yeah. And I felt like that was sending a message to the rest of the conference saying, hey, Hendon Hooker was great. He was phenomenal. But one man don't make a team. Exactly. And I think Bazooka Joe is coming into this year. And they're – to me, sitting solid at number two, and like you said, they could very easily, very easily make a run at number one. Absolutely, man. So, I got to go with you all the way through on that one. Awesome. Well, let's uh, let's finish this list out from the east and go with the obvious number one, and that's going to be them Georgia Bulldogs. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, I'm not a Georgia fan. I'm not doing that <laughs> shit. I mean, that, that crap. Excuse me. Excuse my language. I'm rusty. Yep. I, what's the reason would it be at number one? I got him right number one, too, also, obviously. The biggest reason is because they won the Natty two years in a row. Their defense is always on point. And Kirby is a smart, smart man. Yeah, Kirby Smart is <laughs> one of the best. If not the best head coach in the game right now. Nick Saban's the GOAT of college football, but I think Kirby's got the upper hand on him at the moment. I agree with you. I think Georgia, they're bringing a lot of people back in that offense, especially Brock Bowers, the best tight end in the damn country, beyond a doubt. He is a freak of nature. He is on a whole different league than everybody else. Yeah, not to mention the rest of that tight end. 
the rest of the time room is good. They got Oscar Delt in there looking like he's going to be another Brock Bowers in the making, unfortunately, for everybody else. Yep. You got some great receivers, great running backs. The offensive line is ridiculous. Defensive line is ridiculous. Linebackers, ridiculous. The whole damn defense is absurd. It's not even fair. The only thing I worry about Georgia, though, and this is one of my stories, it's something that everybody needs to keep an eye on going into fall camp and really through the season is who's QB1 at Georgia? Right. Because there's not a number one man. Not a clear on, cut. On the roster right now. No matter what happens, Georgia's going to be starting a rookie quarterback. Big wrong. And this will be the first year they've done that in hell. Five years? Yep, something like that. So that's going to be one of my big stories going into the offseason. Or, excuse me, going into the season through the summer into the fall is that. And also, I got one more story for everybody else that needs to pay attention to follow is South Carolina, Columbia, Spencer Rattler. Can this kid finally put together a consistent season? Because these two teams, their power rankings depend on those two stories, honestly. It can make or break either team. You're 100% right there. That is some big questions coming out of Georgia and both for South Carolina. My storylines to follow in the East, you know, I've already touched on a little bit, but Kentucky's offensive line woes. And, you know, Devin Leary coming in, taking over that quarterback spot, that number one QB. There's a big difference between the ACC and the SEC as far as defensively, especially, you know, when you're playing teams like Georgia, Bama, LSU. You know, it just – there's just some big questions, some flags to be raised, and that's something really to keep an eye out on. But another one – Again, it's Tennessee. They had a huge recruiting class. Joe Milton taking taking over for them this season as a full season. And we just need to see if they can add on to the success that they had last season or if they're going to take a step back. Yeah. Yeah, I have to agree with you 110% on both of those stories. That's definitely some things to watch, no doubt. And, guys, I mean – we're in May, about to be June. Mm-hmm. Football season it seems far away. It's not that far away. Not at all. I mean, a little over from month, a little over a month from now, we're going to be starting. Hell, I think fall the, camp. I think the freshmen actually start reporting about any day now. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. I mean, a little over a month towards the end of July, we start fall camp. Yeah. So it's going to be very interesting. Things are going to be picking up a lot of steam. We're going to start getting a lot of feels, getting a lot of words from all these coaches. we got media days coming up. Oh, I can't wait for media days. Oh, I can't either. I love it. I wonder if Beamer's going to touch on who he wants to fight anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that should be interesting, man. Yeah. I wonder if he's going to bring the glasses or not. Oh, I hope so. Just just to rub it in uh, Kentucky's coach's face. Hell, Stoops might bring his own glasses this year after last mm-hmm. season. How funny would that be to have a dance-off? I don't know. <laughs> I think uh, I think they ought to have a rivalry game between Carolina and Kentucky. It, it's a rivalry already. Oh yeah, it says it's without a rivalry. Yeah, it just it needs to be uh, it needs to be classified as a rivalry game because battle of the sunshades. They never said who Beamer would want to fight, but with everything that happened to Media Days last year. What happened on the field at the Kentucky game? Uh, you know it's Mark Stoops. It's either Mark Stoops or Eli. One of those two. Could be both of them. Who knows? Being wrong with throw hands every damn buddy. Hey, Beamer don't seem like that kind of man, but you know, you know, it, it very well could be. But I don't know. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt at all about that, man. <clears throat> all right, well, let's roll into this SEC West. Let's do it. Let's see the power rankings you got over there. All right. Starting out at number seven. As bad as I hate to do it. Huge fan of this team. 
loved watching them last year, but I've got to go Mississippi State at number seven. Just too many too many questions that remain to be seen. What happens? A new head coach. You know, a lot of kids transferring out. And, you know, of course, they've got some good transfers in, a decent recruiting class, but but they're changing offensive schemes. And you just, you just you never know what you're going to get right now when you have that coaching change. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Um, my number seven, I got to disagree with you. I got Arkansas listed as my number seven. And the biggest reason with Arkansas at my number seven is last year they underperformed pretty badly. And, I mean, realistically, I love Sam Pittman. I think he's a hell of a coach. But his first year at school in 2020, the kids played their asses off. But they did not turn that into wins like they should have. They were in a lot of games, but they couldn't seal the deal. Then in – or that might have been 21. But – uh. Was he in twenty or twenty one? How camera? No, twenty one. Then they had a very good season. Start off year, I think they got ranked all the way at number eight or something. Yes, at one point. And looked like they could be a national contender, and they fell apart at the end of the season and just couldn't close it out. Then last year, it was just a complete roller coaster of a year, just with consistency, just up, down, up, down, up, down, just. Struggled badly. That's my biggest problem with Arkansas was the consistency. And it just seemed like they couldn't really keep anybody healthy on a week-to-week basis. That's that's exactly correct, man. But it's just – I can't put no stock in Arkansas. They're, just, they're too inconsistent. K.J. Jefferson had a lot of health issues last year. You got Rocket in the backfield, who is a sensational running back. But you can't carry the team by yourself. No, you can't. You can't. KJ Jefferson's a great quarterback. We just need to see what they're going to have at wide receiver. They lost some key pieces of tight end this year. Um, that offensive line is also questionable. And that defense, man, I mean, they're just so hit and hit or miss that it's, it's not even funny. But uh, for that very reason, though, that's why I've got Arkansas at number six. I understand you. Yeah, my number six is Mississippi State. The whole reason I had them over Arkansas is, yes, the team is hurting still. They're still grieving after the loss of Mike Leach. I mean, he was a legend to the game. Will always be remembered as a legend. The innovator of the air raid offense. But you still got Will Rogers. Arguably the best quarterback in the nation. Mm-hmm. Kid's sensational. Tons of experience. You can build a team around that young man. Right. But also, they are going to run the ball more this year. They still have a very solid offensive line at Mississippi State. A lot of experience. You still got the cowbell at the home field. <laughs> got to have more cowbell. But if they can run the ball consistently, that's going to be something that they've struggled with. In past years, honestly, is they didn't manage the clock well in recent years. So if they can get a decent rushing attack to help manage the clock, that's also going to take some pressure off of Rodgers. So I got Mississippi State at number five. I mean, man, that, that could shoot up. That really could shoot up more I think about it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, no doubt. No doubt at all, man. Or I got it at number six. Number six. I got you. I was like, did we skip one? What, 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 huh? No, no, no. My bad. <laughs> you good? Yeah, man. I mean, you're right. The quarterback issue, or not issue, but, you know, he's he's a very good quarterback, like you said, probably one of the best in the country. But it's just the pieces around him that I have questions about, you know, what they've lost, what they're getting in. You know, the, and we don't know what he's going to be like with this new scheme. They're going away from the air raid, and that's what he's used to. So it, it's going to be it's going to be a big question mark for me. I feel you. I feel you. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> All right. What you got at five, man? What you got at five? Number five. I got five on the list. 
Number five. For me, this team, I've been high on this team for the last couple of years, and I've kept saying, man, they're about to turn the corner. They're about to turn the corner. Yeah, they turned the corner. Now their coach is in the hot seat. I'm talking about Jimbo Fishes, Fisher and them A&M Aggies. For me, man, it there's just no excuse for the down spiral that they had last year, man. The recruiting classes that they had, the talent that they had on that team, <clears throat> it just looked like poor coaching all the way around. Not blaming the coaches for anything because talent. If you got the talent, man, you can still put that to use and still win games. But I don't know, man. It just they let me down, and I'm not, and I'm not at the point where I can let them back in. <clears throat> you know what? You talked me into it. I had another team at number five, but I think the more I thought about, it, I think I'm gonna have to roll with you. It takes to say no. Every year I get sucked into this Texas A&M trap thinking that they're going to be a contender. They're going to get better and better and better. They're a really good team, and they are. They got the talent, man. Bo, they had so much talent last year. Couldn't get together. Now, some of that, they had quarterback struggles. They did. Injuries on injuries on injuries. Had to play a true freshman who was in over his head at the time. Mm -hmm. He could be better this year. He could be. But that's yet to be seen. Right. And Jimbo being on a hot seat, his biggest problem was he did not want to give up play calling duties. He did hire OC this year, finally. And if he turns over play calling abilities to him 100%, I think they could be better. But the more I think about it, with that hot seat underneath Jimbo, the pressure cooking, he's going to try to control his own destiny, and I think he's going to, Run himself right out of town, honestly. So I think I'm gonna agree with you, man. Texas ain't them at number five. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I wholeheartedly agree with you, man. When Jimbo's like a caged animal right now, he's going to do his best to try to get out of that cage, even if it is by his own leg off. Yes, sir. I agree. At number four, I gotta go with the one of the biggest unknowns right now. And that is going to be the Auburn Tigers with a new head coach and new freeze. There's just so much going on, man. That school just, it just seems like they want to win and they want to win now. They're not going to allow a coach to really train his guys, you know, get them prepared, give them, you know, three, four years. They want to win now, and if they and if U Freeze doesn't win now, he's going to have so much stress on him that I think it's you know it could be a downward spiral for this Auburn team. You know, given that Cadillac Williams came in last year and turned it around at the end of the season, <clears throat> I just I don't know where this is going to go. For that reason, I've got Auburn ranked at number four. Yeah, I'm gonna have to agree with you. I'm going to have to keep Auburn at number four also. My biggest reason is it is a big unknown, but I think they will make it to the middle of the SEC West. I think they will make progress from last year. The team under Cadillac Williams last year was really making progress. I mean, they were playing with heart. And they – the roster was pretty depleted talent-wise last year. They had, some, they had some pretty skilled guys, but they were hurting. To say the least, they were hurting pretty bad. But you get a stable head coach in there like Hugh Freeze, Cadillac Williams still on staff. You got a great home stadium. I mean, a great fan base. I can see them making progress from last year and getting back up to the middle of the West. And I think they will continue to get better. Yeah, that's very possible. Very, very possible. There's going to be some growing pains, but I think Freeze will be the man for the job. He already built one program with Ole Miss. I mean, let's be honest, if it wasn't for the whole escort fiasco, <laughs> he'd probably still be there, if not at a bigger program. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I'm, I'm actually surprised that you got another SEC <clears throat> job. I know he did a great job at Liberty, but, you know, with with, those, with that kind of baggage, it's, it's really hard to land. 
a prestigious job. Man, these schools want to win. They don't give a damn who does what. You're not wrong. Plus, I mean, you could pay your kids now, so. Exactly. I mean, you could pay them with money or escorts or whatever. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, on that note, number three. <laughs> number three. I'm going to have to go with Hotty Toddy Ole Miss. Ole Miss is a team that can either be good or they can be a big pile of crap. There's no in-between with Ole Miss. And the thing about it is, man, they're just – they've got a good defense when they want to play. They've got a good offense when they want to play. There is just no – there's just no even kill. They, they can't they, – they'll come in one week and play hot, and the next week they'll play cold. There's no – there's no evenness. Yep, I'm going to agree with you there. I got a little missing number. So we probably got the same teams rank all the way through at this point, <laughs> but – I got Ole Miss at number three. Biggest reason is they don't quite have the talent, the roster depth and all that an LSU has or a Bama has. But damn if Lane Kiffin can get those kids to play. And I'm not the biggest Lane Kiffin fan in the world. No. But he's a brilliant offensive mind. You got a lot of these guys with their second year in the system. They had a lot of new faces last year. And they were still a pretty tough team for the most part. They had a couple stinkers, but they were always ready. They were always able to sew it together and find a way to pull it out for the most part. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I got Ole Miss borderline number two on my list. They're knocking on the door something fierce. And I look for them to make a big upset for two this season. I agree with you 110%. There's going to be a big upset coming from Ole Miss. I think there's going to be a big upset coming from just about every team this year, to be honest with you, but I'll touch on that later. But, yeah, Ole Miss, I mean, like like you said, man, they, Lane Kiffin can get them to play, but it just seems like sometimes their head's just not in the game, and I, I don't understand why. Well, one thing I remember, too, is last year in the middle of the season, there was a lot of rumors going around that Lane Kiffin was leaving. You know that had to have an effect on his players. Oh, yeah. I mean, they don't know if their coach is staying, if he's if he's staying, if he's leaving. They don't know what to think. It hurts you. But but that's that's the problem with Lane Kiffin and his history, though, is, you know, just in the middle of the season, he can just up, up and decide to take another job or, you know, start interviewing with NFL jobs or, you know, it just – he just – he doesn't. He has never actually stayed with the team for I think more than three or four years, if I'm not mistaken. No, he does have a history of having some happy feet. But if I'm not mistaken, I do believe he signed an extension last year, and there's a lot of reassurance. And I do think Lane Kiffin is happy. Yeah. In Oxford, Mississippi. Yeah. He very well could be. And I'll be honest with you, I love watching Lane Kiffin tweet. Yes. He's, <laughs> that is a funny, funny man. He has no boundaries on Twitter, no. no limitations. No. <laughs> but football will not be the same without him. you got to have guys like him in the game. But, You're not wrong. Yeah, I got him at number three, borderline number two. And, I mean, you never know, man. Years to come, Lane Kiffin, if he stays there, if he really does hold true and stay, he could build on Miss and something special. He very well could. He very well could. And like you said, they could be on the borderline. They just need to find a consistency. I agree. Well, what you got at number two? Number two. <clears throat> this was a tough one for me because either of the remaining two teams have the chance to become the SCC West champions. But I'm going to go with a second-year head coach in the SEC, and I'm going LSU. At number two, I think that they are on the border of taking over fully the West, but there's still still just some, some issues going on, and as long as Nick Saban is in the game, it's hard to look over them. I feel you. I feel you. Well, you make a lot of good points, but I'm not having it. I got Bama at number two in the SEC West. Little Nicky, I'm sorry. I hate Arch feelings. <laughs> but I do believe the dynasty is over. 
I think Nick Saban, you're not looking at him being far from retirement. I think he wants another natty bag. But I don't think he's going to be able to pull it together, man. These players getting played, that was one of his biggest flaws as an NFL coach. He said it's hard to get players to play when they're making more money than the coach. You're not wrong. And let's just be honest, man. These other schools got money. Bam was not able to be the monopoly on all the players anymore, even though they did have the number one recruiting class this year. I just feel like you got a lot of good teams out there, some good talent. And Bama, I mean, Bryce Young is gone. This next man up at Bama, it seems like anymore. But even with Bryce Young, they couldn't even make it to the playoffs this past year. Should they have? Yes. Absolutely. But they couldn't do it. And Go ahead. I'm sorry. My biggest reason is I'm going to go ahead and jump you. My, that's why LSU is my number one is simply because last year they were able to take down Bama and Brian Kelly's first year in the SEC with a team that he did not recruit. The roster was pretty depleted. There was a lot of outside noise, a lot of naysayers about LSU. Hell, I was one of them. Mm-hmm. And they proved the world wrong. And I feel like, man, he's got another year now. He's got his feet under him. He's got his feet planted into the school. He's been there for a whole year to work with these kids throughout the offseason, put things together. And, I mean, to give him credit when he was at Notre Dame, the longer he was there, the better they got. They never could get over the hump quite as far as getting in a natty picture. But you ain't in Notre Dame no more. You at LSU. You got talent to do it year in, year out. You got the SEC recruiting base. I see LSU taking over the West for now. And you may not be wrong. Like I said, this was this was a tough choice for me. And for the same reasons that you mentioned with LSU, that's that's the reason why, you know, it was just so hard for me, but it's just hard to look over an Alabama team. Yes, they do have questions at quarterback. Their defense, though, I mean, it's you know it's always a killer defense. They've always got good offensive linemen, good receivers. The biggest thing that Bama was missing last year was a, was a decent running game. And I don't know if they've been able to add anything to it this year in order to get picked up, but. For me, there's only been, I think, maybe two or three head coaches ever to be able to beat Nick Saban two games in a row. And I don't know if Brian Kelly's able to do that just yet. I could see that if Brian Kelly was new to the coaching game. But what you got to remember, too, is Brian Kelly and Nick Saban got a pass, man. True. I mean, Nick Saban mopped the floor with Notre Dame in the playoffs twice. I think so. With Brian Kelly as head coach. He knows Nick Saban. He knows his schemes. He knows what to look for. And he got him last year. And the thing is, he beat him last year. And Bama had the better team. Right. I mean, Jaden Daniels is a decent quarterback, but he is not a Bryce show. No. They did not have the receiving core Bama had last year. They definitely did not have defense Bama had last year. But they got a lot of returning starters on that defense that looked really good. They had they had the best transfer class in the country. Yeah. Pouring talent into that school. LSU's going to be tough, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely going to be a good game. When that game rolls around, that's going to be the one to watch. But, uh, yeah, for now, I'm just going to take Bama. And, you know, again, that brings me back to my, you know, storylines to watch in the West, man. Alabama – I'm with you. They it just it does seem like they are on the verge of losing their dynasty status. And if Bama cannot make a run this year, I think that dynasty is dead. But the biggest thing for me with Bama, right now they don't have a clear cut quarterback number one. <clears throat> and that could be an issue. Yeah. I agree with you, man. I think it could be a very big issue with Alabama. There's a lot of missing pieces, and LSU has a lot of guys coming back. 
and that's going to be tough. Right. So, we'll agree to disagree on that one. Yes, sir. What big stories you got to keep an eye on coming out of uh, the SEC West? Um, like I said, Alabama, uh, with the clear-cut number, you know, quarterback one, losing the dynasty. But the, my biggest question of them all in the SEC West is Auburn and Hugh Freeze. How big of an effect is Hugh Freeze going to have at Auburn? And how much of a leash is he going to have before he's going to be on the hot seat? Because Harson, it didn't seem like it was a year before he was on the hot seat. Harson also made a lot of boneheaded decisions, too, though. You're not wrong. Harson was in over his head by far. <laughs> Wrong. I think he frees to be just fine at Auburn. I think he's going to make Auburn into a contender in the West. I think he'll be making some noise in the next year or two. But my big stories I, I think we need to keep an eye on is is Jimbo going to be able to take pressure of a hot seat? Because last year was terrible, and he has got a fire under his rear end oh, coming yeah. into the season without a doubt. Um. A&M just, that's too good of a program. Mm-hmm. Too good on recruiting classes. They spent way too much money in NIL. Too much of a prestigious program. <clears throat> exactly. And, I mean, NIL can make or break you. Because if you got all that money to spend, it's wonderful. You need a lot of talent in there. But if you have a year like you did last year after spending the most money in NIL, mm-hmm. people want results. And here's another question, too, that I just thought about. Little brother, Texas is coming into the SEC next year. Are they going – is A&M going to take the chance of having a down-spiraling team coming in when little brother comes into the conference? Exactly, man. You make a very valid point. I mean, if Texas gains much momentum, Texas was big brother for a yeah. long time. Yeah. So you really do not want to lose any headway. Absolutely not. But my all, my other point to watch is also another possible hot seat scenario in the West. I don't think it's going to be Auburn. It's going to be can Arkansas bounce back? What can Arkansas do going into the season? Because I guarantee you, the Pigs, man, the Razorbacks, they want to win. They want to win bad. They got that little taste of success two years ago before everything fell apart, and they have not been happy since. And I'll be honest with you, if you are Sam Pittman, I feel like you got to have a good nine-win season this year, eight or nine wins to hang on to your job. Yeah, you're not wrong. I think I don't think he's really too much – his seat's not on fire yet, but I think it is lukewarm. Yeah, I agree 100%. Well, that's all I got for this one, man. I do want to add one more thing. I know we didn't talk about it before, um, but it just came to my head while I was recording. Fire away. I'm going to make one bold prediction with this early preseason talk. And my bold prediction is this. I don't think there is an SEC team this year that doesn't have at least one loss. You don't think anybody goes undefeated in yes. the SEC? Yes. I'm calling that right now. In regular season, or does that include bowl games and postseason? Regular season. I don't know. I mean, if anybody's got a chance at it, I'd say Georgia or Tennessee. But yeah. one's going to knock the other off. You're not wrong, but the thing about it is, though, Georgia's got a rookie quarterback. Tennessee, now Joe Milton was the starter originally two years ago, and then Henry Hooker took over from him. And he looked good coming off the bench last year. But once again, you got the Nick Foles effect. That's why I like to call it with the Eagles when they won that Super Bowl. Right. When you're the backup and you come off the bench, you don't have all these crazy expectations. You can go out there and play – with no fear, pretty much, because, hey, if we lose, I'm the backup. We're not supposed to win. But when you come in and you're the franchise guy, you're the face of the program, the expectations are all on your shoulder, that's a whole different scenario. Oh, no, you're, you're totally not wrong there, man. I mean, 
it is it's just one of those things where it's just really unknown on what happens but you know Tennessee they could very well go undefeated but I mean they do have a pretty difficult schedule this year they got to play Georgia they got to play Alabama they're A&M could sneak up and buy them. South Carolina, you saw what South Carolina did to them last year. You got a point. I mean, there's just, you know, it's just so unpredictable, and that's what I love about college football. I agree. And, I mean, Georgia, Georgia looks like a powerhouse, but the thing is the most important position in the game of football is the quarterback position. And right now, Georgia, you do not have a clear-cut number one guy. And it's a lot of green guys with no experience. I mean, you had Stetson Bennett, who had two sensational years. JT Daniels, when he was there, he was off to an incredible year before he got hurt. I mean, they've had starter on top starter, returning starters for years and years, and now you've got to develop a guy that's no longer plug and play. Now you got to put a man together and teach him and see really if your development play pays off. You're right. You're 100% right. In Georgia, I mean, they have some redshirt freshmen back there that can really make a name for themselves. I think they did recruit some uh, some decent quarterbacks also. Um, but like you said, man, I mean, without that, that experience, it's just really hard to say, especially at an SEC school. The thing with Georgia, though, too, is you got to remember – this is going to be a hard schedule for them this year as well. I mean, they're they're at Auburn. They play Ole Miss at home. They're at Tennessee this year. They play Kentucky at home. So, I mean, it's just up in the air. It's really up in the air. No, it really is. So, I don't know. This is going to be an exciting year. Yes, sir. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, guys, like I said, we are sorry it's been so long since we've been in here, but life happens, man. Yep. Stuff you can't control. And that's exactly right. And we just we need to take a little hiatus, a little vacation time, if you will, for our own off season. Yes, sir. Get our minds back right. But we're back. We're going to try to get you two episodes a week, hopefully, every week. Some yes, weeks, sir. maybe even more yes. once we get closer to the season. But, uh, You got anything else you want to add? I'm good to go, I think. All right. Well, until next time, we're going to discuss uh, the ACC early summer power rankings. Mm -hmm. Until then, let's keep those drinks cold. Let's keep those chains moving.